Shalom Anechem, Erev Tov. Attached to the invitation in the Google Classroom, the Zoom invitation at the bottom, you should see a PDF of Nachalat Avot, of Rabbi Yosef Nassas. We're going to be in that PDF on page 366. So Rabbi Yosef Masas is asking us a question. The Rambam mentions that Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai has five students. Those five students are also mentioned in the Mishnah in Masech Davot. And what's bothering Rabbi Yosef Masas is why does a man who is famous for having thousands of students only get listed as having five? Until today he gave us three answers so far. The three answers he gave us, if I could summarize, is the first, that there are students who have a set rabbi, and even though that's their set rabbi, they still uh, go from one rabbi to the next, they jump around different rabbis, and because of that, uh, they are, yes, students of a rabbi, you ask them who's your rabbi, they'll tell you who he is, and then there's another category of students who only studies Torah from their rabbi, and those were the types of students that Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai had. They were dedicated students. They were just his. That's why it says, Chamisha Talmidim Hayulo Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. He had five students. They were his students. That's what they were. The second answer is that there are students that come only for the scientific. I'm here to study from the Rabbi Torah. I don't want to hear his personal opinions. I don't want to learn his midot. I don't want to be like him. I don't want to emulate him. I don't want to know about his character traits. None of those things interest me. I'm only here to receive information. And then there are students that come to receive the whole package. They come to learn all of the Torah. They want also the character traits. They want all of that. And therefore, Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai, though he had thousands of students that came to study Torah from him, there were only five students who received everything from Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. The third answer yesterday, which we went through a, a lengthy, lengthy piece of the Yosef Mesas, is that there are students who, in their way, in their actions, you can tell that they are students of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. And there are students that you would never be able to guess on them that they were students of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. And that's connected to the famous teaching that Hillel says, Chayav Adam Lomar Bilshon Rabo. A person must speak in the same way their rabbi speaks. And there's a certain level of, of being able to tell on the student who his rabbi is. Being able to tell on a child who his parent is. This is the third answer that Rabbi Yosef Masas offers us in understanding why Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai, who has thousands of students, only really has five. And that brings me to answer number four. Answer number four is found in the PDF on page 366 at the bottom of the page. Baruch Adonai Rabbi Yosef Masas writes the following. Yan, Mikol Alfei Talmidav, the bottom paragraph on 366. From all of the thousands of students that Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai had, Lo et shel Torah bilvan. No other students enriched the transmission of the oral law aside from these five. 
What does it mean they didn't enrich the transmission of the oral law? It says, Like him, they went out of their way to increase the amount of students that were learning the oral law, meaning that they emulated him not just in the way he spoke, not just in his character traits, but also in that attitude of making many students for themselves, and therefore enhancing the oral transmission of halakha, meaning making sure that there are enough people that are learning halakha. So they were not just students who sat there and learned, but they were actively involved in his life's work, which was to increase the knowledge of Torah Shabbat. And that's why it says that he had for him, They assisted him. In there, we're on page 366 of the PDF, they assisted him in his mission of continuing the oral Kabbalah, the oral transmission of Halakha. While he was still alive, they were heads of rabbinic academies. And they helped him with anything he needed. And even after he passed away, they continued his Kabbalah. I'll tell you the truth, is that many times in my life I've considered, I would rather give up many things, the comforts of living here, the way I live in America, just to go be Harapelet's driver in Yerushalayim, to drive him from point A to point B to point C. Just that service of Harapelet's and getting that Torah that he teaches to the world, I'd be willing to give up many things for that. No, Harapelet's doesn't let. That's why you're stuck with me here. But... When it comes to Talmidim, there are two types of Talmidim. There are those who give of themselves to continue the mission of the rabbi. And there are those that just come, they study and they go. I'm going to add something here that Rabbi says doesn't say. But I think there are two types of Talmidim in the world that fit into this category. Not all Talmidim who don't continue the Kabbalah are because of malice. You know, they, I think... Maybe it was Albert Einstein or somebody else who said, do not attribute to malice what you can attribute to stupidity. Not everything in the world is malicious. Some things are just... There are students who truly understand the life work, the mission of the Chacham who they're learning about. And they make it their mission to accomplish that end goal. And they realize very quickly... That it's not just when their rabbi is alive, but this is many, many years after he passes. That the goal, the point, what he came to the world to do, still needs to be done. And they dedicate themselves entirely to that continuity of their rabbi's message. And their students, I don't think, if you ask them, what is your rabbi's dream? What is your teacher's vision for the Jewish future? It's not that their rabbi doesn't have a vision for the Jewish future. It's that they have no capability of understanding what the vision for the Jewish future should look like. And because of that, they don't sign up for the whole package. They don't see how all these pieces connect to each other. You know, we are lucky in Kilat Shalashalayim to be a small community. But imagine if we were a huge community. So how many of you would really know what goes on in the Bedin? Or what goes on in a Facebook learning forum? what happens on Zoom, or what happens on YouTube. Or what ha- the fact that you know is because you're, you're involved, you're there. But 
in a bigger community, I'm certain that the rabbis do all kinds of things people don't even know about. Because they didn't sign up for the whole package. They're not there for the whole mission. They're just there for the herring and the kichol at the end of Kiddush. That's what they came for. They didn't come for anything else. Uh, or for the chamin in Iraq, whatever synagogue you go to, it's going to be the same thing. They didn't come for anything more than that. And therefore... Menorah is a mashka. I think it was a... Yeah, menorah is a mashka, very good. Menorah is a martini, whatever you need. They, they didn't come for the bigger picture. These students, Rabban Yohanan ben Zakai, they came... And they came and they wanted to continue his life's work in his lifetime and after his lifetime. On page 367 at the top. Mikol al-Fayt from all of the thousands of students of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai had, Remind me again the generation of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. He's famous for being the last leader before you mentioned he's a bridge from one generation. What's, what's the generation he's bridging? He was the last Chacham of the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash. He essentially brings the Jewish people into a whole new era post-Bet HaMikdash Judaism. Chashmonaim uh, are by the Greeks, so now we're by the Romans. This is, yeah. This is Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai is one of the authors of the Mishnayot, so this is... You're right, before compiled, but writing, yes. Rabban Yochan ben Zakai is the one who's recreating a Judaism that can be passed off to the next generation that doesn't have a bit of Mikdash. That famous turning point in his history was when his students carry him out of the walls of Jerusalem. They trick the Romans, not the Romans, the Bilyonim, or the Jews, the, the thugs of the Jewish community. Today you call them nationalists. They were guarding the walls of Jerusalem to make sure that nobody would leave to the Romans and broker a peace treaty with them. They wanted the city to... It's either go big or go home. They were, they were the reason why Yerushalayim was destroyed. The lessons of Jewish history that no one cares to take. The Bironim were Jews who were guarding the walls of Jerusalem to make sure no Jews would leave to them. They knew the Chachamim wanted to make peace with the Romans and they didn't want to let it happen. So Rabban Yochan ben Zakai, whose nephew, recall, was one of the men guarding the wall, he comes up with a plot. And this plot is to pretend that he died. They stage a funeral procession. And they put him in a coffin, and his students carry him out of the walls of Yerushalayim. Look back a few classes. We studied this, though, for you in the room. It's been since August since we studied this. And when they want to stab spears through the coffin to make sure he's really dead, the Birunim knew that something was up. Was, something was unusual here. Finally, they smuggle him out of the walls. And he greets the Roman general. And he tells him, you're going to be the next emperor of Rome. And he makes a peace treaty with him and says, take Jerusalem, but give me Yavne and the sages of Yavne. Give me Rabban Gamliel and the royal family. He asks for a few things. Give me a doctor to heal Rabbi Tzadok, who's been fasting because of the imminent destruction of Yerushalayim. These students who carried him out they're not just regular students. These are students that were willing to give up their life 
for their rabbi's mission. When they smuggled him out of Jerusalem, pretending that he was dead, but he was really alive. We know about Rabbi Yezab and Hukunus. We know about Rabbi Yusham Khananiyad, they smuggled out the coffin, but it wasn't enough. Two people can't just carry a coffin. There were more students. Mistama, likely that the other three that were with him also accompanied the body. Two people can't uh, carry a body for a very long distance. I hope you never have to experience it. Have you ever been to a funeral? You've carried a body before? It's very heavy. It's not a simple thing. Sometimes six or seven grown adults that are tough people have a hard time carrying a coffin. So don't think, don't think that just two people are going to be able to do it. There must have been more students. Says Rabbi Yosem Masas, likely that the students that are mentioned in this Mishnah were the students that smuggled their rabbi out of the walls of Jerusalem. From his home until the cemetery, which is very far out of the city. Those of you who have been to Yerushalayim, imagine you're in the old city of Jerusalem. You're standing on top of the stairs that go to the Kotel. Pretend that's where you're hanging out. So let's, elevation is a little bit different in the times of the Talmud because as Jerusalem is a city that has been destroyed and rebuilt, destroyed and rebuilt, all of a sudden the city is much taller than where it used to be. But let's imagine for you know, just rough uh, image sake. You're standing over there by Burger Bar. I don't know. You're standing by somewhere on the top of the stairs of the Kotel. Now you have to carry Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai's body from there all the way down out of the walls of Jerusalem across the valley up into the cemetery on Hagazotim, Mount of Olives, Hagazotim, uh, Mount of Olives, right next to Mount Scopus. That's a serious walk. Two people don't carry a coffin that far. It was a group of people that carried him. It's even a bit of a drive in a car. That's correct. And therefore, and so certainly there were other students that were there with him. And the two were mentioned because they were the greatest of the five. And this appears to me to be the simple, the, the answer uh, in my simple understanding of says. With Hashem's help. So these second, last two answers that Rabbi Yosef Masas gives us is not like the answers we said before. There were students that were, um, uh, they were the dedicated students. They only had one rabbi. Or there were students that uh, they learned only Torah, but these learned Torah and everything else. Uh, yesterday we mentioned about the students who they also emulate even the speech of their rabbi. You can tell on them who they studied from. But this answer here is telling you that there are students that are willing to give up their life for the mission that they received in the Ben Midrash. And you see this in their actions. When I say give up their life, I mean literally give up their life. Not just uh, work hard. Push comes to shove. What are you willing to do in order to remain a Talmud of your rabbi? And not for the sake of some kind of hero worship, for the sake of understanding that this type of Torah, the students of Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai were aware that their rabbi had a vision for the future of Judaism. And that if they would abandon that ship for something else, then who knows what would happen to Am Yisrael. It wasn't a matter of, of worshipping Rabban Yochanan ben Zakai. It's a matter of understanding and, and accepting that his mission is exactly that, which they needed to even be willing to give up their life in front of the Romans 
to make sure that his mission was successful. And there's a story here. I, you know, I, I would love to read stories with you, but they're very long stories. If you look on page 370. There's a term in clairvoyance. Uh, you simply, it's, it's considered a very mystical, it means clear vision. And a Navi had clear vision to see what the future is going to bring based on the present situation. And it seems like there's all forces that are reactionary there. Just thinking of the moment. Jerusalem or die. You know, let, it, you know, let it burn, don't anybody go out. But for the continuation of the Jewish people, is it necessary to keep the Chachamim intact? You know, my, my uncle, Allah Shalom, Dan, taught me how to play chess as a kid. His father had taught him how to play chess. And uh, sometime in the beginning of COVID, I decided, you know, I have some free time more than I used to have. I want to teach my kids how to play chess. And it's a fast, chess is a fascinating game. And I'm not, listen, I'm not one of those people who say you spend your whole life playing chess. Also, you can waste your time playing chess. But what's interesting about chess compared to other, other types of games, you have to have a long-term plan. It's not just about, oh, this move and I won the game, bingo, you know, jackpot. You have to know which pieces to lose because you're going to lose pieces. Which ones are you going to lose? Which ones are you going to keep? Some pieces are more important than others, but they move less efficiently than others. There are pieces that move more efficiently, but sometimes when you have to make a choice, a rook moves well, but, but I need the king to keep playing the game. You know, a queen, these are calculations a person has to make. I'm not comparing, but I am comparing. The Rabbi Yuchanan ben Zakai is a chacham, and like you said, in every generation there are such chachamim that are not just thinking, when they're not playing checkers, I'm not like bounce, 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 the game's over. Yeah, it's not tic-tac-toe. They're playing a sophisticated game of, of what is going to be with Am Yisrael. They feel the burden of Am Yisrael on their shoulders, and they need to plan ahead. And sometimes the people around them don't even understand their vision. They don't see, look, it looks like this person is giving in on Shabbat. Look, this person giving, but they're not. It's like losing a pawn. You choose to lose a pawn in order to win the game. And I will say, sadly, that all of the rabbis who brought us until today were those who played differently and brought us here. Their critics aren't around to validate them because their critics disappeared. Their critics are not. So it's almost like the people never get the justice they deserve, this validation they deserve, because we're the only ones who survived. And they're not around to admit to their mistake because literally they disappeared. And this happens all the time in Amisal, even our current generation. It's not, people say tunnel vision, it's not just tunnel vision, it's almost like people walking around with blinders on. They're not able to see beyond their nose. They, they don't know, they don't know how to, we were once in a situation, I'm trying to think how much I can share. A situation with another community that wasn't so thrilled with us, so we went to some kind of arbitration. And uh, my wife asked the rabbi opposite the table, what is your vision for San Diego? We know what the problem you have with that. What's your vision for San Diego? And you've never seen a person uh, like a deer caught in headlights. What vision? My vision is to pay my paycheck at the end of the month. That's my vision. My vision is to make sure that I can uh, put more solar panels on my roof. My vision is not, there's no vision. There is no vision. That's the problem. So of course you clash with others who have vision. That's, that's always been an issue in Amisa. That's why Chacham Adif Minavi, a scholar is greater than a prophet. We mentioned this earlier in, a, in one of our Kuzari classes, perhaps. It's not that Chachamim are prophets. 
But they have even something. It's not just a prophecy. See, the prophets had the other problem. Prophets only spoke about the future. Prophets are always telling people, if you don't do this, the Bidim Mikdash will be destroyed. Hundreds of years, they're telling us the Bidim Mikdash is going to be destroyed, but no plan of action how to get there. How to save the Bidim Mikdash. A Chacham is somebody who knows the future, but says, listen, right now I have to give you a tangible plan. You have to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Wash your hands. What a Chachamim Institute. The institutions of Chachamim and the Talmud, the blessing on washing your hands for bread. Chachamim Institute, all kinds of Mikra Megillah and Purim. Not major, life-changing halachot, but it's exactly that. They gave people a road map how to get to the vision of the prophets. Something the prophets were so busy in the future, not giving us a plan to do. It requires both elements, a vision and also a practical feet-on-the-ground ability to, to deal with people. I will tell you that in our generation, and it's been already this way, likely since the Holocaust, especially in America, but also in Israel already. The European model of Chacham, the epitome of a Torah scholar in Europe, what's the greatest position you can hold as a Tamil Chacham? You want to know? What's the most prestigious Ashkenazi rabbinic position? A Rosh HaYeshiva. To be the Rosh HaYeshiva. The head of the yeshiva. In the Sephardic community? A chacham. What specific kind of chacham? A chief rabbi of a community. You have a type of rabbi that the whole goal in life... What is yeshiva? Yeshiva is some... They call it an ivory tower. I'm not even sure it's made out of ivory. But it's an it's a enclosed community. The most homogenous Jewish community you're going to find in the world. Any type of yeshiva. It doesn't make difference which yeshiva you go to. A, a yeshiva, by its definition, is a homogenous group of people, most likely all students of the same rabbi, all doing the same thing, shuckling the same way, praying with the same sidu, learning the same exact thing at the same exact time, in the same exact place. And that's the epitome of a chacham in that world. And so who do you look to for advice? You go to the rabbi who's dealing with a homogenous group of people that are all doing the same thing at the same time in the same place, and he gives you advice on which political party you should vote for, or what should be a peace treaty between Jews and Arabs in the land of Israel, or what should be our economic policy. Going, anything, those, those are the chachamim that are leading that world. By a chacham who's a rabbi of a community, a small community, a big community, the chief rabbi, and it, it connotes that he's a rabbi of a, a, a huge community. He's the person who's every single day dealing with people. Not everyone's the same. A community is made up of many different people. There's the wealthy people and the less wealthy people. There's the one who can't afford to follow this halakha the same way the other one does. There are the people who are sick and the people that are healthy, the people that are married, the ones that are divorced, the ones that... Everybody is part of that community. And a chacham who leads like that has that much more... It's not, it's not just experience, but is that much more grounded in, in human interaction and human problems that their ability to lead is that much greater. Now, there was a generation of Ashkenazi Rashi Shiva that were aware of that limitation. I heard a story once that Rabbi Aaron Cutler, was a Rosh Shiva in Lakewood. Somebody came to ask him a question about community issues. He said, listen, I'm a Rosh Shiva. I, I can't give you answers about community issues. 
Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, he was a rabbi of a community in Europe. You should go consult with him because he actually is a, a person who has authority to speak on community relations. I don't. So the person who knew their limitations then backed down. Today, unfortunately, you have, you have a, a very different world. The model of leader that Jewish people looks up to has, has very little ability to lead. And those that are in the streets and their hands are dirty and they know, they lack, unfortunately, very deep understanding of Torah. There, there are many great rabbis, social activists, but they're not Torah scholars. They don't have the ability to think through something in a Torah way. You ask a rabbi a halachic question. The rabbi says, I'm not a posek. So, so what are you? Tell me what you are. Because right now all I see is an unlicensed social worker. Well, you, are, are, you, are you anything? That's why today you have a flip side. So all the rabbi, I'm a boxing rabbi, I'm a jumping rabbi, I'm a running rabbi, I'm a wrestling rabbi, surfing rabbi, I'm a, because the rabbi doesn't do anything. So he has to do something else that justifies his position as a rabbi. It's a very unusual world. Rabbi Yosef Masas concludes on page 370. We learn from this. The student who really appreciates his rabbi will give up his life, not, not martyrdom, will, will risk his life to save his rabbi in a bad day. That's really who's considered a student. Someone says, I have, I saw a, a cartoon once in the newspaper. It showed, I don't know, Johnny's funeral. And there are 3,000 chairs set up. And there's two people sitting in the front row. Empty funeral. And the clergy member who's officiating the funeral says, but it said he had 5,000 Facebook friends. You know? And it's unfortunate. He did have 5,000 Facebook friends. That's why they put out 3,000 chairs. But really only two people came to the funeral. Everyone, oh, my best friend here. Oh, they're such a good friend of mine. I'm a good friend, good friend. guy. Everyone has good friends. But tell me what happens when your car breaks down on the side of the road, 2 o'clock in the morning, and you don't have AAA. Why? Because you're trying to save 80 bucks a year. Yes? So which of your friends can you wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning to come get you? I'll tell you a story. I was in New York with my wife. And when we first got married, maybe a year after we got married, because we had a Khanan, he was a baby. And we're driving on the... Rabbani, tell me which bridge I was on. I don't remember the name of the bridge. The bridge by the Bronx. We're getting off the Gothel's Bridge. Getting off the Gothel's Bridge? Okay, great. We're getting off the Gothel's Bridge, and we're right in front of this, uh, you know they have these, these meters where you pay, like, there's people that, that you pay them, what, easy pass lane. So we're there in line, we borrowed my brother-in-law Sruli's car. You've met Sruli here before. And it's an old car, and the car starts making funny noises. And so the rabbi's like, what should we do? She's planning to pull over. You know, cover. I said, I said, why pull over? I'm the son of a computer engineer. You know, when a computer doesn't work, you just turn it off, turn it on again. Right? That's the first thing they tell you. You know, restart the computer. You no, know? every time you call tech support, it doesn't make a difference which company it is. HP, Microsoft. Did you try restarting your device? Yeah. Watch. We turn off the car. It doesn't start again. Now this isn't San Diego, This is New York. Behind us, a hundred cars. They're all honking at us, trying to get us to move. And in front of us, it's all empty because everyone left. And people are cursing at us and swerving around us. And we're just parked in the middle of the bridge. And there's, <laughs> you know, on top of the easy pass lane where there's, a, a, there's actually something they can do to say, close. And you see this disgruntled employee get out. 
and give us this look and close, to close the lane. And they call something in their walkie-talkie and there's a tow truck that works. It just sits on the bridge. Its whole job is to get you off the bridge. It doesn't take you anywhere. It gets you off the bridge where they can get another tow truck on your own dime. But they tow you off the bridge. So a police car comes and this tow truck comes and they tow us off the side of the road. And we are, we're not in the best neighborhood in New York. If I'm going to just tell it to you that way. We're not in the best neighborhood in New York. And it's two, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, it's 1.30 in the morning. I can't remember that. And they pulled us over, and I, I called AAA. I said, listen, I have AAA, and they cover me everywhere, all over the United States. I called AAA, I explained to them, it's the middle of the winter, there's a baby, there, and they tell me, oh, great, so we'll expedite your call. Wonderful. <laughs> expedite my call, when will you arrive? Four hours. <laughs> Four hours? That's expedited. They said, if not, we have another opening at six. Six. So at 4.30 in the morning, we're... I'm there with Elchanan and my wife. The car doesn't work. We're on the side of the road, and there's a police officer who decided to stay with us. I can't tell you now on camera what he told my wife, why he's staying with her, but the, the moment that we're there with a police officer in a neighborhood that doesn't really like police officers, and they realize this police officer won't leave us to do anything, all of a sudden these groups of teenagers, I don't know, they're teenagers, they came out with these like uh, mopeds and these little like uh, off-road bikes, dirt bikes. And they're racing around our cars, cursing at the police officer, throwing things at him. All, and they know that he won't leave. They're taunting him. He stayed with us almost his whole shift. Almost his whole shift he stayed parked next to us. Uh, I'm still waiting for AAA. My wife sends a message to her family. And one of my brother-in-laws, so my brother-in-law of Rumi, who lives in Muncie, that's like an hour and 15 minutes away, gets in his car with his wife drives all the way to us, picks up my wife and my son, drive back to Muncie, they leave me to deal with the pickup truck driver, uh, tow truck driver. And I was thinking to myself, you know, my wife is one of 13 children. I have siblings in New York. I have friends, you know how many friends I have in New York? But who can I call at 2 o'clock in the morning to come pick me up from the side of a bridge in the middle of the winter? And that tells you, when you pick your friends, you're allowed to have a lot of friends. But don't exaggerate the relationship that you have with your friends. Ask yourself the question, if my car was broken down on the side of the road in the middle of the night, would this friend jump out of bed to come get me? And it doesn't mean anything bad about them. It just means you probably have one or two best friends in your life, if at all. And if you do, hold them close. Ignore the rest. And these were the five students of Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Zakai. And that's why Rabbi Yehuda Nasi said about him, Hey, Talmidim, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai. The Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai had five students. Lo Daika, they were his students. Shemasru atzman bishvelo. That they literally risked their lives for him. Zehu Rabotai, that's all gentlemen. That's all I can tell you, says Rabbi Yosef Masas at this point in time. Hamakom baruchu yichonenu vivarchenu yer panavitanu sena amen. He blesses us and leaves us off on this note. Bezad Hashem, starting on Monday, I will be taking apart the life and legacy of each one of these five students of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai. And we will be gleaning from their lives everything that we could possibly learn about, Musar and Midot and character traits and vision. Every one of these students is greater than the next one. And it's almost like biting off a bite more than I can chew. The five students of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai are very unique people. And we're going to spend the next couple of weeks discussing everything we can about their lives and their teachings, but that will continue on Monday night here in the Kodesh.